0: In 2009, a Milwaukee teen would clock out of her job at a local Arby's, proceed to go home, spend time with her family, and then suffer a terrible fate at the hands of a home intruder. An intruder who had only one clear motive. Then, in 2016, a young Chicago teen would walk a young female friend home and then suffer one of the most horrific deaths imaginable. Was his murder at the hands of street gangs, or someone else? This is Midwest Mystery Files, Episode 5, The Horrific Murders of Ashley Love and Demetrius Griffin Jr. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Midwest Mystery Files. I'm your host Jeremiah, with just a few quick things before we start. Midwest Mystery Files is a bi-weekly true crime podcast that focuses on unsolved missing and murdered cases within the Midwestern region of the United States. The show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, and all other major podcast platforms. You may have noticed that I brought up two separate cases in my opening. I just want to note that these cases are not connected. They are just two cases I thought could use more attention, but didn't have enough information to fill a single episode on their own. I'm undecided yet if this is a format I want to continue to do every couple of episodes, or if I'll present these types of cases in the occasional mini-sode on Mondays between full episodes in the future. For now, though, I just wanted to give it a test run. Now, without further delay, on to today's episode. Ashley Love was born on September seventeenth, 1990, to Joe and Tammy Love. Not much information is available about her early life, but she is described by friends and family as being a bright, friendly, and caring girl. Her parents would tell Crime Watch Daily that she was like a second mom to her little brother with how caring she was. She was as good-natured as you would want any daughter to be. Her lifelong friend, Joey Clancy will go on to say, quote, "even if she was like not having the greatest day, she was just so funny." Ashley attended Pius 11 High School, a Catholic high school in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, described as being known for its excellent fine arts program. While in school, Ashley was a fantastic student, but keeping with her quiet nature, she tended to keep that fact quiet, with Tammy saying, quote, "she was very smart, but she didn't like to let anybody know that." but high school was a breeze for her. She was just very shy that way. She didn't like anybody to make a big deal out of her. Upon graduating high school in 2009, Ashley would spend the summer doing the things a young 19-year-old would do in Milwaukee, such as mini-golf or catching a Brewers game at Miller Field. She was, however, unsure of what future college or career path she wanted to take, so she decided to take a job at a local Arby's while she decided on the next steps in her life. Unfortunately, she would never have a chance to take those steps. October 6th started out like any other day. Ashley worked her shift at Arby's. She then came home and watched the Green Bay Packers game with her family, and then would take a shower before going off to bed. A few hours later, at approximately 2 a.m., Tammy was startled from her sleep. Not sure what woke her, she would tell TMJ News 4 in Milwaukee, quote, I heard footsteps in the hallway outside my door, as if someone was running down the stairs. I got up, and open the door, and there's a man in front of me, with a bandana covering his face, holding a shotgun. I thought we were getting robbed. I remember saying, take whatever you want, and screaming. The man would flee from the house, and upon remembering that Ashley was sleeping in an upstairs bedroom, her parents would run to check on her. Upon entering Ashley's room, they would find a horrifying discovery. Ashley lay in her bed, murdered. She had been shot at Point Blake Range in the face. Investigators were baffled by the horrifying murder from day one. Nothing was taken from the house, indicating that a robbery was not the intended purpose of the invasion and that Ashley was most likely the intended target within the home. The question being asked by investigators, though, was why? Why Ashley? She was seemingly liked by everyone and was never known to do anyone wrong. There just didn't seem to be anyone that would want to do her harm. Tammy would later describe the man she saw as being a Hispanic male, about 20 years old, of average height and build, with short, spiked black hair, and he was wearing a dark, zip-up sweater or jacket. Police would do a thorough search through Ashley's social media accounts in the hopes that they could find someone, anyone, who was close to matching the assailant's description. They would have zero luck, however. The shooter remained a mystery. In a 2009 press conference, Tammy Love would publicly ask for anyone who knew anything to come forward, saying, quote, Someone, somewhere, knows something. We are begging them to come forward. This has left our family heartbroken and devastated. We feel like we are in hell and we can't climb out." While investigators were unable to find a person that matched the home intruder while searching through Ashley's social media, they apparently did find someone who did strike their interest. Investigators would receive reports that Ashley had been spotted with the male individual several times. At the December 2009 press conference, police would announce that they were looking to speak with a white male in his early 20s with a thin build. He was believed to drive a mid-2000s American-made blue pickup truck with a pinstripe along the side, chrome rims, tinted windows, and a raised suspension. They also noted that he may have worked construction over the previous summer. The man was not being sought after as a suspect, and investigators just wanted to know his involvement with Ashley. It has never been made clear who made reports of seeing the man with Ashley, but his involvement with her was news to both family and friends. Investigators would go on to state, quote, It appeared to the people that saw those two interact that she didn't want other people to know she was meeting with this person. Kind of like a secret friend or acquaintance of some sort. Ashley's longtime friend, Joey Clancy, would tell Crime Watch Daily, quote, They talk about people with double lives and stuff, but Ashley was like way too honest to have a double life. Twelve years later, and this alleged mystery man has yet to be identified. There hasn't been much movement on Ashley's case since 2009. Tammy continues to speak to the press to keep awareness in the public eye, and Kyle Olson, a friend of Ashley's, made a short film called Letters to Ashley to bring awareness to the case, but all efforts have done little to garner new information. I'm not going to speak much on theories here. The only thing I can say from my personal perspective is that to break into a house and shoot someone straight in the face with a shotgun seems like a personal crime of rage. A shotgun is cumbersome and most likely the last weapon you would want to take with you when robbing a house. I can't help but feel that murdering Ashley was the intent of the intruder. Outside of that, with such little information and no theories put forth by police to look at, I feel like it would be way too much speculation to say anything more. However, what I can do is encourage you to share Ashley's story after listening to this podcast. There really has never been much coverage outside of local news, and fresh eyes always have the potential to bring fresh tips. From what I can gather, Ashley was an intelligent young woman with a lot of potential. Potential that was taken in an instant. She was also a loving daughter, sister, and friend, and she was taken from those that loved her in an instant. The least we can do is share her story and help keep it alive. If you have any information on the murder of Ashley Love, please contact the Milwaukee Police Department at 414-935-7360. 15-year-old Demetrius Griffin Jr., or Nunny as he would be nicknamed, lived in the Chicago, Illinois neighborhood of South Austin. He was well liked in the neighborhood, he was known to be very respectful, and was always offering to help the neighbors or walk their dogs. He attended Steinmetz College Prep, where he was known to be a class clown, but still performed very well academically. He had plans to try out for the school swim team as well. He was close with his parents and family, and he never missed his curfew. It was his punctuality for his curfew that would first raise alarm for Demetrius' mother, Polly Sykes. On Friday, September 16th, Demetrius would walk a female friend home, but would miss his curfew and never return. Already concerned, Polly would become more and more worried as the hours ticked by and Demetrius didn't return. Then, in the early hours of September 17th, firefighters would make a terrible and shocking discovery. At 1.25am, fire crews were called to a garage fire in an alley on the 5500 block of West Cortez Street. Upon putting the fire out, they would find a body burned beyond recognition, stuffed into a trash can. Police and the medical examiners would act quickly, and a few hours later, after checking dental records, the body would positively be identified as Demetrius Griffin Jr. While they were able to identify Demetrius, a cause of death was not immediately apparent. I do want to note real quick that while most reports state that Demetrius was found in a garbage can, I have seen some reports that state he was in a 55-gallon barrel. The discovery and news shocked and horrified both the family and the neighborhood that Demetrius loved so much. He was a gentle and loving boy. No one could believe that someone would want to do him harm. The community would quickly come together and hold a vigil the following Tuesday, September 20th. Polly would plead with the neighborhood for a resolution. She can be seen in several news videos telling the crowd, quote, Community, I need your help. They killed my baby out here in this alley. I need Somebody. You know something. Please come forward. They took my life. He wasn't a gang member. He was a very respectful kid. He walked everybody in the neighborhood's dogs. An investigation would begin into Demetrius' death, but investigators would find little to go on. No one seemed to have saw or heard anything in the early hours of September 17th. One month later, with no new leads, a horrifying detail would be released. A cause of death had been established. The Cook County Medical Examiner would announce that Demetrius had died of thermal injuries due to incendiary fire in the garbage can. Simply put, Demetrius had been put in the garbage can and lit on fire while he was still alive. This would send another horrifying shockwave through the community. Who could do such a horrible thing to such a friendly boy? It just didn't make sense to anyone. Local pastors would come together and offer a $7,500 reward for any information that led to an arrest for Demetrius' horrific murder. Pastor Marshall Hatch, of New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church of West Garfield, who had known the family for more than 20 years, was quoted as saying, He was a typical teenager. My wife was his Sunday school teacher when he was a child. He was baptized in the church. There just truly didn't seem to be an area of the neighborhood that Demetrius' brightness didn't touch. Demetrius' case would unfortunately be cold from almost the get-go. There doesn't seem to have ever been much in the way of leads, and if any usable evidence was found at the scene of the fire, it hasn't led to the identification of a solid suspect. Demetrius' mother, Polly, and his Aunt Rochelle, Sykes, have not been deterred by this fact, though. Year after year, they have held vigils, and every month... Rochelle makes a pilgrimage past the alley where her nephew was murdered. She would tell CBS 2 Chicago in 2018, quote, We are out here every month. We do not want another child to be found dead on this side of town. She would also express her concern at the lack of resolution in murders within the city, as well as point out those who believe in a street code of silence, saying, quote, Can you imagine the screams burning him alive, and you did nothing? How can they pay the attention to this case that it needs if they are constantly called away because someone else has been murdered? In 2021, even with reward increases and continued efforts by the family, Demetrius' murder remains unsolved with no signs of a resolution. At this juncture, we're only left with theories. Like Ashley Love, there really aren't a ton, but a few have been put forth by the media as well as some allusion to gang activity by the family. We'll take a look at the gang angle first, as it does seem to be the one that sits at the front of most people's minds. In 2018, Polly Sykes would tell WGN TV that looking back, she did remember Demetrius being pursued by a gang for recruitment. She would state, quote, I knew they was messing with them. The guys in the neighborhood were bothering him, so I was picking him up and driving him. This particular night, I didn't. Now... I'm just going to go ahead and throw out there that I grew up in rural Iowa outside of a town of about 1,400 people. So I'm not going to begin to pretend to understand the ins and outs of street gang operations in a city like Chicago. All I really know is what I've read, and generally, from what I gather, most gang murders involve running up, shooting, and running away, as there is usually little chance anybody is going to point their finger at you when asked if they saw anything. A murderer such as Demetrius' tends to focus more on sending a message. Family, neighbors, teachers, and religious leaders have had absolutely nothing bad to say about Demetrius, and from what I can find, he had no history of being in trouble. He was truly a kid that seemed like he would have absolutely nothing to do with joining a street gang. Could it be possible that he was approached after dropping his friend off, denied recruitment, and was horrifically murdered, all to send the message that this is what happens when you deny us? I'd say it's possible, but there's no way to know for sure. The idea that he was mistaken for a rival gang member, as well as the claim that he could have been an initiation murder for a new gang member, has been thrown around as well. All three options certainly seem to be in the realm of possibility. It has also been theorized that Demetrius was murdered at the hands of a serial killer, as he was not the first African-American person to be found burned in a trash receptacle in Chicago. In 2007, two African-American women were found strangled and nude in burning dumpsters near Washington Park within days of each other. The first victim was identified as Teresa Bunn, a 21-year-old woman who was 8 months pregnant at the time of her death. Her body had been covered in a flammable accelerant before being set on fire. Just over 24 hours later, 52-year-old Hazel Lewis was discovered by firefighters who had extinguished a dumpster fire not far from where Teresa was found. Investigators noted the similarities between the two victims, such as the fact that both women were African American, both were found within a few blocks of Washington Park on Chicago's south side, and both had been strangled, stripped, and burned in dumpsters. Their murders remain unsolved. Connections between the two women and Demetrius have been theorized around the web, both on forums and in publications. While it could be possible, I find it unlikely there's a connection. Teresa and Hazel were both grown women, strangled, and stripped, with sexual assault as a likely motive. Demetrius was a 15-year-old boy who was stuffed in a trash barrel and lit on fire, assumingly fully clothed and with no assault. I'm sure Teresa and Hazel's murders are likely connected, but they also appear to be done by someone who had a type. A type that Demetrius didn't fit. Between the two women and Demetrius, other charred bodies have been found in Chicago. Little is known about them, so it's hard to say if they're connected but they're worth mentioning. They are as follows. On November 6th, 2012, a charred male was discovered to be burnt beyond recognition in a burning trash can in the West Alley of the 3100 block of North Central Park Avenue. On May 20th, 2013, 20-year-old Amy Martinez was found strangled in a burning dumpster on Chicago's northwest side. On April 1st, 2013, a charred body was found in a car inside of a garage at Irving Park. On June thirteenth, two 2015, a charred body was found in a dumpster in the Brighton Park neighborhood on the southwest side. On June twenty-first, two 2015, a charred body was found in a dumpster on the south side of Calumet Park. From what I could find, all cases remain unsolved. The last theory that has been thrown around is the possibility of a hate crime. This is possible, as hate crimes do tend to be excessively violent in nature, and Demetrius's murder was exceptionally violent, but much like all other theories we've talked about, there just isn't much information to analyze it much further. A bright young man, who is loved by everyone, accompanies his friend home, but never gets to return to his own home. Instead, he's taken from this world in one of the worst possible ways that I can't even begin to imagine leaving behind a family and community who has done everything in their power to keep his case alive. We can't find Demetrius' killer or killers, but we can do our part to keep his case alive by sharing his story in whatever form you can. People talk, and if this was gang-related, there is most likely plenty of people out there who know firsthand what happened, or have heard the whispers on the streets. The longer this case stays in the public eye, the more chance there is that Demetrius, his family, and his community will find justice. If you have any information on the murder of Demetrius Griffin Jr., please contact the Chicago Police Department at 312-746-6000, or if you're within city limits, you can simply dial 311. If you would like any further information, there's a few news articles, but that's about it. This unfortunately is not a very publicized case. If you would like to tell me what you think happened to either Ashley Love or Demetrius Griffin Jr., or have questions, comments, or case suggestions, you can reach me on Instagram at MidwestMysteryFiles, Twitter at Files Midwest, on Facebook by searching Midwest Mystery Files, or you can email me at MidwestMysteryFilesPod at gmail.com. I would also like to know what you guys thought of the format of this episode. Are you for the occasional episode covering multiple cases with little information, or would you prefer the occasional mini-sodes on Mondays between full episodes? Any thoughts would be greatly appreciated. Lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, feel free to leave a rating and review. This makes the podcast more visible on searches and also helps to get these cases more exposure. Thank you to all who have done so already. Take care everyone, and I will see you all in two weeks.